Welcome to the F50 Woman Podcast, dedicated to sharing stories from a diverse community of women in order to provoke you into a passionate pursuit of life, build unshakable character, and achieve extraordinary things. Now, here is your host, Julia Jack. Society puts women in buckets. We start off young and desirable. Then we turn into nurturers. But in the end, we're labeled elder women, which in our society means old, worn, and done. But just because society creates buckets for us doesn't mean we need to jump in them. Charlie Reed's teaching women every day how to change that narrative. She's teaching women how to listen to their bodies and become unapologetically positive, powerful, and beautiful by redefining the way they show up within themselves. Today, we will hear about that and more from Charlie Reed, scientist, health coach, mentor, and another F50 woman. Hey, hey, thank you for joining the F50 Woman podcast. Today, I am here with Miss Charlie Reed, Charlie Harris Reed. Charlie is a, a scientist. She's a health coach. She's a mentor. And she's a woman warrior, which is so perfect for all of us because that's what we are all working to be, be strong and leaders of our own lives, especially as we start turning 50 and beyond. And as you know, I always say, because we're not done yet. So thank you so much for being here, Charlie. Thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome. I'm so happy to be able to pop by for a little visit. It's too bad we don't have a cup of tea. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> Next time, especially when we can be in person. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I just want to go straight to it. There's three main things I want to cover because we want to learn about you. We want to know who you were, who you are, and really one or two things that just changed everything for you. So can we start by just learning who you were as Little Miss Reed, as a younger person, as a younger woman? Well, actually, my full name is Harris Reed. My Reed is my married name. So I actually, I don't like to spend a lot of time in the past because I think we get stuck in the past a lot. And I think we can see, quite frankly, many things happening in our current day that, you know, when I think back, I had a great upbringing. My grandparents were a huge part of my upbringing, which I never forget, of course. And I think it's really important to remember where you came from, because I do think that informs you, informs how you live your life. And I, I came from a, a family that had really strong values grounded in faith in Jesus Christ. And, uh, and that kind of undergirded everything. And so when we made decisions, it was made from a place of, you know, how are you showing up in the world? You know, you have this charge to be a person of love and mercy and grace and peace. And so how, and this started at a very young age because my grandmother used to, <laughs> she would make me go to church with her, but nobody else. I don't know why. And that, shaped me a lot in terms of my reaction to the world, my understanding of people, 
and my sensitivity to helping people. I remember when I was 13 and the school for some reason decided to make Christmas gifts for children who were developmentally delayed and disabled. And I had never seen a kid who couldn't run, jump and play. And they took us, we all did a field trip once we had the gifts together and wrapped and everything. And as children, you know, they hadn't really explained to us the limitations of these children. And so when we got there and we saw that they were in wheelchairs, and this was during a time when I think there was not very much understanding of the fact that even though a kid may be developmentally delayed, it didn't stop that child from being a child and being curious and, and wanting to explore. And so they were, some of them were restrained, which was hard to see as a 13 year old child. And I remember I was crying because I was like, what are you doing to these children? And I was questioning these adults because I thought the children were being harmed. And so I was promptly carried out of the room. And I I think that really left an indelible uh, mark on my mind about the necessity of helping other people. And uh, the first part of my career, I focused on helping children to get access to health care helping children and women, actually, because my focus was maternal and child health. That was part of my training at Yale and as an undergrad at East Carolina University um, and then in graduate school in Paris at the University of Paris. So I focused a lot on public health and epidemiology and maternal and child health and on helping families and communities to become healthy. So that's kind of my beginning. And that brings me to where I am now where I worked for several years professionally in corporate America. I worked, I did research at the hospital level and then the corporate level. I started to develop healthcare uh, solutions to major problems like all kinds of cancers and heart disease and those types of, of lifestyle diseases that people deal with. And as I was moving through that trajectory, it became very clear to me that people were having very difficult times being healthy. And, you know, why do we have all these drugs to help people recover when they really just are band-aids? And so I uh, had my own health crisis at a young age, and I met a, an incredible holistic health practitioner who challenged me to get curious about how the body changes as it ages and how you have the power to affect that and actually to heal yourself. And so that was what really brought me into holistic health and wellness and nutrition. Would you be willing to expand a little bit on your particular challenge? No, you know, I don't, I don't think it really adds to the conversation except to say that, you know, I was, I just was being hospitalized just out of the blue and, you know, nobody knew what was going on. And so I think, you know, one of the biggest challenges is that as your body is changing and as it's aging, there's always this pivotal moment when you can make a difference by what you put in your mouth, how you take care of your body, whether you get enough sleep, uh, whether you actually move your body. Our bodies are designed to move. And so often we get into the habit of not taking care of this temple, which it is a temple. The body is a temple. I love that particular scripture. And we often get into the habit of neglecting it for the pursuit of these temporal things that we get involved in, which include like, you know, climbing the corporate ladder and getting all the things that we think we need to make life beautiful when actually the only thing we need is we need our health. We need our health so that we can live to fight another day and enjoy life another day. Yeah. 
So say younger women are having challenges. What advice would you give to them sort of early in the stage? I imagine there's some anxiety. I imagine there's fear, not knowing, not even knowing who to go talk to or Mm. if you should even go talk to someone. So what advice would you give them in that area? Say they, you just happen to connect with them early and, and what advice would you give them? You know, one of the things that I've discovered as I've been doing this work, and I've been doing this work for about 15 years or more, is that I, I've discovered that, it's, that there are two types of women. There are women who actually don't mind investing in themselves uh, and addressing their health needs head on. And then there are those women who actually push it under the rug. They're like martyrs. They put other people before themselves. They have this uh, un, unspoken sense that they have to deny themselves uh, any kind of attention, any kind of, of pleasure even sometimes. And, you know, like we, we as women, we spend so much time taking care of other people. We spend so much time putting other people before ourselves. So that group of women who actually uh, are subscribing to martyrdom, those women are the ones who end up, you know, having to have... which I was one of them for a while. (laughs) And those women uh, end up having health challenges. And then you have whatever health challenge you might have. It could be a cancer. It could be any kind of uh, sort of a mental challenge. The fact is, the thing I would say is, it's never too early to take care of yourself. And the three pillars that I use in my practice as I work with women who are struggling through the perimenopause-menopause transition are nutrition, self-care, and mindset, and working on shifting your mindset and your emotional uh, freedom and and regaining emotional freedom. Because just having the permission to, I give women permission to put themselves first. And I would say putting yourself first isn't selfish. It doesn't mean that you are uh, a narcissist. It just means that if you can put yourself, if your life is a circle, most people, most women live outside the circle and they have everybody else inside the circle. But I, I guide my clients to imagine that, reimagine their lives as a circle, putting themselves in the middle of the circle. And then the circle is almost sliced up like a pie and reaching to each area equally. You have the equal ability to take care of your family, to work on your job, to follow your career, your career trajectory, to improve your own self as you move through your life. So I would say put yourself in the center of your world and then move from there in terms of prioritizing all the other responsibilities you have. Wow. Yeah. I love that analogy of the pie, the circle and being in the middle. I think we oftentimes try to run around the edge. (laughs) (laughs) Which takes way more energy, actually. Way more energy and you just can't get to all the pieces. That's right. (laughs) That's incredible. So tell us, about you now? What do you do? Uh, How can people get in touch with you? Tell us about you and uh, your work. Okay. So I work with professional women over 40 because what happens to us and what happened to me, part of what happened to me was, you know, your hormones, your body starts to change in your late thirties in terms of your hormones and your hormones are in control of everything. They make you look beautiful. Your skin's flawless. They make your hair beautiful. They give you amazing uh, emotional connections with your intimate partner, with your with your loved ones. Mm. And when your hormones get out of balance, what happens is your body starts to 
give you signals. But because we're so busy, we live in a world where we have to be busy all the time, or we think we have to be busy all the time, we end up missing those signals. And because we don't have that intuitive connection to ourselves anymore, which we used to have before we got so enamored of technology and always being entertained with some kind of device in our face. Yes. We recognize those signals and now we don't, we miss them. And so before we know it, we're like in our forties and the body's starting to, to change. It's, it's parts of it. The hormones have shifted. And so I help women in their forties who are transitioning through their lives. They have all these responsibilities. They're doing amazing in their careers, but they're really, they're recognizing their brain is starting to slow down. They're starting to have brain fog. They're starting to feel less connected to themselves. They uh, are having symptoms like hot flashes and mood swings. Their cycles are becoming irregular. They're not sleeping. They have low energy. And so these women, a lot of them come to me with stress. Stress is one of the biggest issues that a lot of women have when they come to my practice. But the underlying issue, the root cause is that their hormones are out of balance. And their hormones are going through a roller coaster ride because they're entering into the perimenopause, menopause transition, but they don't know it. Right. And yeah. So I work with women who are going through all of that, who think they need to lose weight because they're getting uh, plump, but they don't can't lose weight the way they used to because their old methods don't work, and they can't get any sleep, and they can't get any, their energy is low. They think, oh, you just you just need to do something like this. When in reality, the biggest underlying problem is that they're root cause is their hormones are out of balance and they're going through the transition of peri and menopause and they need to have a different approach. And so I help them to create a healthy and gorgeous body and to re-engage in connecting with themselves and their own desires so they can become a better version of themselves. Okay. And when you connect them with their own desires, is that mainly a physical thing or no, how that works. Not at all. No, actually, uh, it's not just about nutrition. It's about mindset and emotional freedom. I use tools like heart math, which helps them to reconnect to their emotions and their heart and their desires. I yeah. use emotional, the emotional freedom technique, which is a very ancient technique where you uh, use the body's meridians like the acupuncturist does. And you tap on those meridians, which releases stress uh, and the emotional congestion. Because a lot of women have a ton of stress and emotional congestion around their how their life is changing, how their body is changing. They have to go through a period of mourning because they're like, oh my gosh, I'm not the sexy young babe anymore. Because <laughs> society defines us as three archetypes. You've got the sexy vixen, you've got the nurturing mother, and then you have the wise sage woman. Mm -hmm. And in society's archetype, as we reach the wise sage woman, we're no longer sexy, we're no longer valued, we're no longer beautiful, when nothing could be further from the truth. And so I help women to reconnect to that beauty. And so it's an emotional shift, it's a physical shift, and it's a mindset shift. And then, of course, I coach them on how to put themselves first and to increase their ab ability to uh, take care of themselves while uh, working on their bodies, accepting their bodies, and loving themselves more. If you are enjoying the F50 Woman podcast, don't forget to share your positive comments and ratings and share us on all your favorite social media channels. F50 Woman is a movement created for women, spread by women. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show and your host, Julia Jack. 
Can we change society? Do we need to change society? Do we need to change that archetype? Is that even something that we can do or should do or should aspire to do? Oh, uh, it's not about changing society. It's about changing ourselves. Okay. You, it's a, the thing is, it's about creating a ripple effect. The work that I do creates a ripple effect. Mm -hmm. uh, case in point, I have a client who came to me. Uh, I love all my clients and I fall in love with them, but I teach, I coach them on how to fall in love with themselves. And that's the thing that we're missing in society. We're missing a love for ourselves and, uh, but a, a, a wholesome love, a, a balanced love. And it's not about changing the minds of people, of changing the archetype in society. It's about us changing the archetype and the, the, the way we see ourselves inside of us. Because as you change how you see yourself and you start to love yourself more, then there, that creates a ripple effect. Because if you show up in your family, so my client had um, colon cancer at 35. She's a young woman. She had colon cancer at 35. She fell into remission, but she was really overweight. And she was trying all kinds of things like ideal protein and all kinds of diets. And the problem is people, <laughs> this is the other thing, when people get to us, reach their late 30s and early 40s and they start to diet, then that creates a really nasty roller coaster ride for them because they start hating their bodies and they start to see the size of it uh, as a as a as a bad thing. And so what yeah. what I help them to do is flip the script and to see their bodies as beautifully and wonderfully made. Number one, but number two, um, to start to nourish their bodies in a, a way that is all about loving themselves and appreciating who they are right where they are. Uh, so it's not about changing society. It's really about changing us and the way we see ourselves as women. I work in my private practice with women, professional women over 40, but I also work with companies, corporations, because I'm really committed to the idea of creating menopause leave in this country. It exists in London. It doesn't in Europe, in Great Britain, but it doesn't exist here. And most, most corporations, most companies, 70% of their employees are women. And over 27 million women are in some stage of menopause right now in the U.S. And our companies and their focus of their health programs are still all about the outside of the body. It's all about, you know, losing weight. It's all about, you know, trying to bring down these health indicators without actually addressing the big issue, which is that we need to help people to create healthier behaviors. But at the same time, corporations are designed around the needs of men and not the needs of women. Mm -hmm. And so what I want to do with my work in menopause, not just in my private clients' lives, but on a corporate level is to help companies to create menopause-friendly environments that will empower women as their, some of their top earners, but also educate the whole company about, hey, you know, this is something that women are going through, but it has a ripple effect across the whole family. Yeah, you know what, when you say this, I like it. But my first reaction is, no, we don't want to tell them about this menopause thing and make it a big deal. It feels like you're sort of putting us out there, putting another handicap. First, it's, you know, becoming a mom. Then it's, uh, you know, leave for the kids when they go to school. And now you want to work from home. And, you know, so what do you, how do you think that will be received? Yeah. I, other people about it, corporations and, Of course, know. of course. Yeah. It's not about... See, here's the thing. What, why? It's interesting that your first reaction is, oh my gosh, well, then they're going to think something's wrong with us. But listen, 
when men have problems, they are always embraced. And so when we make the word menopause normal to say in a boardroom, because a woman is giving a presentation, having a hot flash, which I've done, and it's so embarrassing. And so why do we get embarrassed? I want to move women out of shaming, blaming, and complaining into being empowered and feeling empowered and being okay with saying, you know what, I need a break. I need to just have a break. And they understand that she's having a hot flesh. She needs to collect herself. And so, yeah. no, it's it's actually all about us. So if we react like that, oh my God, they're going to think something's wrong with us. I'm sorry, yeah, something is wrong it. with us. Yeah. Something <laughs> is wrong with us. We're going through, if men had to go through menopause, it has 34 plus symptoms. If men had to go through menopause, I bet you a million dollars that there would be menopause leave right now in the corporate structure. Now, well, I don't yeah, know. If you, that's probably true. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you remember uh, Viagra. When Vi- I worked on Viagra because I was working in a, um, I was doing health education and bringing new drug therapies to market. One of the drugs I did when I was very early on in my career, corporate career, was to help bring Viagra to market. Now, mm-hmm. when Viagra came out, it was not a erectile dysfunction drug. It was a heart drug, and it dilated blood vessels, and so it kept men from having strokes and heart attacks, rather. Right. And so when it became for ED, oh my gosh, did, were they embarrassed? Were they ashamed that they couldn't get it up in the bedroom? No. And here we are. We give life. We give, we give birth. We never see, take care of these men. We love these men. And we are ashamed that we have menopause? Come on. <laughs> Man, you're making a good point. <laughs> were they ashamed that they had to get the little blue pill? No. They were running to get that little blue pill. Come on oh. now. You have made your, <laughs> that point well taken. <laughs> I have to go and rethink all of that. Absolutely. You, uh, you have a heart stop in a minute or two. Could you please just tell us one book that you would advise women to read? Ah, yes. Uh, so I am reading a book called Hunger. And um, it's a book written by a woman Oh gosh, Roxanne Gay. She's an amazing writer. She writes for the New York Times. At her largest, she was 571 pounds. You know, people would look at her and judge her. And yes. so she's an amazing journalist. And this book is written um, to share that everything that people think they know about why she's the size she is, is absolutely not. So it's it's all about what happened to her, the things that led her to use food to hide herself when she really wanted to be seen. And mm-hmm. I think it really does help us to, un- it gives us a window into understanding that just because we weigh a certain size, that doesn't mean that we are no longer a person. Yes, very nice, thank you. And, and so her telling her story sets her free. And she says, this, this book is not going to be one of those stories where you see a before and after photo. I, I want women, I coach women to accept themselves and start loving their bodies while they work on it. And this book, Hunger by Roxanne Gay, is one of those, it's a memoir of her body. Mm-hmm. And it actually gives women wonderful food for thought so that they can actually think maybe differently about how they see themselves. And as I said, focus on loving themselves more. Yeah, I love it. I'm going to look for that book. So thank you so much for sharing that. You're welcome. And I want to make sure everybody gets your contact information. How can people get in touch with you after this podcast? What's the oh, best way to get oh, you? Oh, sure, sure, sure. 
They can reach me on my website, which is char- is thecharlireed.com. That's C-H-A-R-L-I-E-R-E-I-D.com. Or they can um, uh, uh, send me, uh, there's actually a quiz on my website that they can take for free if they're going through the menopause transition. And it actually will help them to understand their menopausal mood. Uh, so uh, char- uh, thecharlireed.com is my website. And they can always drop me an email at charlie at thecharlireed.com. Thank you so very much. I know there's just so much more meat in there that you have so much to share. And I'm thankful that you took time to hang out with me and share a little bit of what you know. I'm going to think about that menopause, whatever you call it, time out for women. Menopause leave. leave for women. (laughs) We need it. Listen, we need it. There are too many women suffering in the workplace. And, yeah. and and getting judged because they, their performance has changed when men yeah. have no idea the struggles that women are undergoing through their physical changes. So yeah. I just think it's one of the things that women absolutely need. And yes, there are steps that we'll go through. I think right now, ultimately, my goal is to help corporations to develop a menopause toolkit because a yeah. lot of women don't even know that they're going through menopause. And so what I want to do is just educate them. Yeah, it's like another angle of diversity almost because it's another piece of the difference that we need to be educated on. Thank you so much. I'm going to share that with my girlfriends. Okay, sounds (laughs) good. They're going to be surprised. (laughs) Thank you, Charlie, so much. So much, Julia. It's so such a pleasure. Take care. Have Have the best day ever. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to the F50 Woman podcast. Join the F50 Woman movement and this diverse group of voices to help change the world one woman at a time. Why should you join at your age? Because we're not done yet. 